It's Tuesday, October 17th. I'm Josie Duffy Rice. And I'm Trayvell Anderson, and this is What a Day. On today's show, a federal judge slapped Donald Trump with a gag order in his election interference case. Plus, House Republicans will try to elect a new speaker this afternoon. But first, a quick update on the unfolding conflict between Israel and Hamas. As of our record time, Israel has not yet made good on its threat to invade Gaza. While the escalation of violence remains anticipated, death toll numbers have been updated. To date, more than 1,400 people have been killed in Israel and almost 4,000 injured. Meanwhile, in Gaza, where innocent people still don't have water because Israel cut off their access to it 10 days ago, more than 2,800 people have been been killed and 10,850 wounded. That's according to the Palestinian Ministry of Health. Israel also now puts the number of hostages taken by Hamas at almost 200, about 50 more than previously reported. And another update on those hostages. On Monday night, Hamas released its first video of one of the captives. It shows 21-year-old Mia Shem, who is a French-Israeli dual national. She was captured by Hamas last week, along with many others, during a desert rave early on in the initial assault. At least 260 people were killed at that gathering. In the minute-long video, she is shown being treated for a wound on her arm, and she tells the camera she's in Gaza, but without any specifics. It ends with her pleading in Hebrew to be returned to her family as quickly as possible. We can also share that according to Secretary of State Antony Blinken, who's been flying throughout the region and meeting with various world leaders, the United States and Israel, quote, have agreed to develop a plan that will enable humanitarian aid from donor nations and multilateral organizations to reach civilians in Gaza. As we mentioned on yesterday's show, the U.S. has been trying to serve as a mediator of sorts in this situation, with the Biden administration really trying to thread the needle of supporting its political and military ally Israel while advocating for the safety of all civilians and to provide humanitarian aid for those in Gaza. Take a listen to President Biden on 60 Minutes over the weekend before the agreement was announced Monday evening. would like to see a humanitarian corridor that allows some of the two million Gazans out of the area. Yes. You would like to see humanitarian supplies brought into Gaza? Yes. So you do not agree with the Israeli total siege of the Gaza Strip. I'm confident that Israel is going to act under the major, the the rules of war. Would you support Israeli occupation of Gaza at this point? I think it'd be a big mistake. Do you believe that Hamas must be eliminated entirely? Uh, Yes, I do. But there needs to be a Palestinian authority. There needs to be a, a path to a Palestinian state. Seems like a pretty significant change of tone from just even a few days ago. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've been hearing something about President Biden perhaps going to Israel. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has invited President Biden to visit Israel. And just before we sat down to record this show, Antony Blinken confirmed that Biden will travel to Israel tomorrow. According to the New York Times, the visit would be a huge show of support in such a divisive and polarizing situation. And it would signal to Israel's rivals in the region, including Iran, Syria, and Hezbollah, that Israel has the power of the United States behind it, which, you know, perhaps 
perhaps isn't the idea we want swirling in folks' minds while they also say that they don't want this to become a regional war. Mm-hmm. The Times also asserts that a trip would, quote, also tie Mr. Biden and the United States to the bloodshed in Gaza. Mind you, over the weekend, the U.S. announced that it was sending a second aircraft carrier strike group to the eastern Mediterranean to, quote, deter hostile actions against Israel or any efforts towards widening this war. That paired with how the U.S. government has operated throughout this 75-year conflict, some would say that the U.S. is already connected to the violence, death, and destruction in the region. We, of course, will continue monitoring this issue as the conflict continues, and we will keep you all posted. Thank you so much for that, Trevel. Now in news about the American border, yesterday the federal government reached a settlement with thousands of families that were separated at the southern border under the Trump administration. The agreement is the culmination of a years-long class action lawsuit brought by the ACLU that was intended to account for the harm caused by the Trump administration's family separation policy in 2017 and 2018. It also sets out new limitations on the federal government's ability to separate families moving forward. This sounds like good news. Yeah. Um, Welcome to good news, considering. Yeah. So let's start with the settlement itself. Who is part of this class action lawsuit? So the settlement covers about 5,000 children and their families currently, which is a lot of people, obviously, but it's not every single family that was separated under the policy. However, yesterday's agreement allows for the number of people covered to grow. So in theory, it could cover more families over time. And these are families that experienced the harms of family separation. I think many of us remember what we heard during that time, right? According to the ACLU, it includes children who were babies and toddlers who were ripped from their parents' arms with little or no warning, children who were often sent to facilities thousands of miles away from their parents, and in some cases stayed separated for over a year. And the ACLU notes that, quote, the government's care and tracking of the separated children was so deficient that when a federal court finally ordered the government to reunify families, government officials were unable to identify which child belonged to which parent. So the harms of this policy were truly immeasurable, just destroyed families for years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And now what does the settlement actually do, right? Because there's no real way to repair that harm, obviously. Yeah, exactly. There's not really a way to like fix this. But yesterday's agreement is as close as an attempt as we've had so far. It's not a traditional monetary settlement the way we often think of class action lawsuits. In this case, basically the government is granting these families, quote, a pathway to seek asylum and permission to live and work legally in the United States while they await a decision on their asylum claim. So it's worth noting that this agreement was already in place as like a temporary policy, but now it's permanent. So it's important, definitely, but the conditions that it sets out are actually already in place as we speak. The settlement also provides benefits to members of the class action, like work authorization, housing and legal assistance, some medical services. So it also kind of gives them tools to move forward as they have temporary permission to live in the United States. Mm -hmm. Now, you mentioned that there's no monetary part of this lawsuit, but I seem to remember that that was on the table at some point. What happened there? Yeah, it was. For a while, the lawyers for these families and DOJ lawyers were discussing the potential of financial payment to these families who had been harmed under this policy. 
But those negotiations collapsed in October of 2021 due to someone leaking that each family could possibly receive up to $450,000. Not all of the families, but that was sort of like the maximum discussed amount. And that number had not been settled, Mm -hmm. but someone leaked it and the Republicans immediately made it a huge, huge, huge political issue, which led the Biden administration to pull out of financial negotiations entirely. So these families will not see any money because it was kind of too touchy politically. And I think the Biden administration thought it wouldn't go over well with voters, right? It's worth pointing out that, like, I'd love to ask Republicans how much I'd have to pay them to have their babies taken from them and sent away to a random facility without their knowledge and without them knowing if they'd ever see them again. I think most of them would say a number way higher than $450,000. I certainly would. Mm. That's permanent trauma for both those children and those parents. However, you know, the party of family values, they don't see it that way. Hmm. They don't actually think keeping families together is that important when it's not the families that they like. Surprise, surprise. Mm -hmm. You also mentioned that the settlement sets out new limitations of family separation moving forward. What does that look like? Basically, the zero-tolerance policy of separating families who enter the U.S. illegally automatically is prohibited for the near future. So for the next eight years, except in, quote, limited circumstances, the U.S. supposedly cannot separate families just for entering the U.S. without permission. According to a DOJ official, quote, the fact that someone enters the United States unlawfully is not a basis for future separations. It's only if someone has committed a serious felony offense. This really might be the most significant part of this agreement, right? Because it's basically saying for the next approximately two presidential administrations, this can't happen anymore. However, here's the trick. If Trump becomes president again or someone else becomes president who wants to override this, they can just override it. It's an agreement by the executive branch. Congress didn't have to approve it. It's not really like a guarantee of anything. It sets a standard, but that standard can kind of quickly be destroyed. Mm -hmm. So... It is significant if it holds for the next eight years, but it could easily not. Right. And we will see shortly, I'm sure, whether or not it holds or not. Right. Now, all of those families that were separated, have they been reunited yet? They actually haven't, at least not all of them. The Family Reunification Task Force that was set up a few years ago has spent years trying to identify and track down members of separated families in hopes of reuniting them. And that has meant a lot of work, a lot of time, a lot of tracking people to different countries who were deported, a lot of trying to connect, you know, people where there's no record that they're actually connected. And of the families that they identified, the Department of Homeland Security says there are at least 85 children still waiting to be reunited with their families. Wow. And then there are another approximately 300 whose family reunification status is unclear. They're not really sure where it stands right now. So that's a lot of families when we consider that this policy was enacted five years ago, right? I mean, that's a lot of people who still are not connected to their families because we decided to take them from their parents Mm -hmm. suddenly at the border and we weren't really accountable for that. Mm. It's pretty devastating. And that is the latest for now. What a Day is brought to you by Fast Growing Trees. Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S., with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers. They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Plus, Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. We love Fast Growing Trees here 
I keep telling you that the many plants that I've gotten from these folks are yet hanging on. Um, And that's not because I have a green thumb, okay? This spring, fast-growing trees, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code WAD at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code WAD at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code WAD. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. What a day is brought to you by Ulta Beauty. This AAPI Heritage Month, Ulta Beauty is celebrating the joy of belonging, belonging to a community composed of intricate connections, belonging to our past and our future, to the heritage and birthright that is beauty. Ulta Beauty shines a light on the AAPI community, passing the mic to brand founders and creators to tell their stories centered on heritage, joy, and beauty. They carry AAPI-owned and founded brands like Live Tinted, Peach and Lily, Glamnetic, Tree Hut, and more. Shop AAPI-owned and founded brands at Ulta Beauty Stores and Ulta.com. What a day is brought to you by Books. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She absolutely deserves the best. And that's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, your wife, your auntie, even your granny, okay? Anyone who deserves flowers in your life Mm -hmm. doesn't have to be holiday specific you get flowers you're getting flowers everyone's (laughs) getting flowers (laughs) go to books.com and use promo code wad for 25 percent off that is b-o-u-q-s.com promo code wad books promo code wad let's get to some headlines headlines Chicago-area landlord has been charged with a hate crime, murder, and attempted murder for allegedly stabbing a six-year-old boy to death and seriously wounding his mother because they're Palestinian Muslims. Officials also say it was linked to the recent violence in Israel and Gaza. According to investigators, the 71-year-old attacked both victims who were his tenants in their home Saturday morning. The little boy, Wadia Al-Fayoumi, had just celebrated his birthday. He was laid to rest yesterday. His mother is in serious condition. Wadia's uncle, Mahmoud Youssef, had this to say during a press conference before the boy's funeral. I just want to tell the whole world that we live in a country called the USA. We're not in war. And we're not bringing war here too. Meanwhile, the Justice Department has opened a federal hate crime investigation. President Biden also issued a statement condemning the attack late Sunday, saying, quote, As Americans, we must come together and reject Islamophobia and all forms of bigotry and hatred. There is no place in America for hate against anyone. Two Swedish nationals were shot and killed in Belgium's capital of Brussels yesterday evening, and officials have raised the country's terror alert to its highest level. Police said a suspect fired gunshots near the city center shortly after 7 p.m. local time. A third person was also injured by the gunfire. As of our record time Monday evening, the suspect is still at large. It all happened as the Belgium-Sweden Euro 2024 qualifier soccer match was taking place a few miles away, but was halted at halftime after news of the attack. Investigators are working to verify a video posted on social media that may have shown the gunman armed with an assault-style rifle. 
Many countries in Europe have been on edge in recent days as the war between Israel and Hamas has escalated and have responded with heightened security measures. It's not yet clear if the victims in Brussels were targeted because of their nationality. But tensions have been building in Sweden for years as far-right anti-immigrant groups have repeatedly staged Quran-burning rallies, which has sparked widespread anger in many Muslim-majority countries. The judge overseeing Trump's federal election interference case issued a partial gag order against the former president, banning him from making statements about potential witnesses or making disparaging comments about the prosecutors. In layman's terms, be less unhinged, shut your trap, and also stay in your damn lane, but in nice legal language. U.S. District Judge Tanya Chutkin said that despite the fact that Trump is running for president again, that, quote, does not give him carte blanche to vilify public servants who are simply doing their job. Chutkin also promised to sanction Trump if he violates the order and that she'd elaborate what that means in a written order to come. It's a significant development in Trump's ongoing legal saga because it raises the prospect that he could actually be punished for violating the order. Chutkin also scheduled his trial to begin on March 4th and emphasized that the date for that would not change. And surprise, Trump said on Truth Social that he plans to appeal that order. Look, I am always saying stuff about prosecutors, so <laughs> not since I get what Trump's up to. However, I highly recommend not doing it about one that's actually trying you as we speak. Just terrible idea. Terrible idea. The House of Representatives will vote today to hopefully elect a new speaker this afternoon after Kevin McCarthy was ousted from the position earlier this month. We told you yesterday that Republican Representative Jim Jordan of Ohio has been working to win over some skeptics in his own party. At least 55 of his fellow Republicans said last week that they would not support Jordan's bid. As of yesterday, it looked like a few of those holdouts had changed their minds, but it's still not clear if Jordan, one of the founding members of the far-right House Freedom Caucus, will clear the 217-vote threshold he needs to win. Since former Speaker Kevin McCarthy was voted off the job, lawmakers haven't been able to pass any legislation over the past two weeks. If lawmakers adjourn for the day without electing a new permanent speaker, that impasse will only continue ahead of another potential government shutdown. The deadline to get that taken care of is exactly one month from today. Here's hoping the GOP can get its shit together so everyone can get back to doing their jobs already. Honestly, is there a better example of failing up than Jim Jordan maybe being Speaker of the House? <laughs> the most ugh, just really, truly odious guy. Just wild. And finally, in a stunning turn of events, the Biden re-election campaign just opened an account on everyone's least favorite social media platform, no, not X. <laughs> Truth Social, in an effort to troll former President Donald Trump and his supporters. The campaign, which uses the handle at BidenHQ, posted its first truth yesterday. Is that what they call them? Truths? That is what they call them. It says right out the gate, quote, well, let's see how this goes. Converts welcome. Mm -mm. He has to do the capitals. He has to capitalize every other word to do the Trump <laughs> to fit in. The Biden campaign also announced the move on X, formerly known as Twitter, writing, quote, we just joined Truth Social mostly because we thought it would be very funny. Follow us there for truths and retruths or whatever they call them. Biden's social media team has been known to poke fun at the former president and the Republican Party from official accounts, whether it be promoting official Let's Go Brandon merch on Insta or clapping back at the GOP on X. For what it's worth, the Biden campaign only follows Trump on Truth Social. Mm. 
<laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Just following one person and it's Donald Trump is funny. When asked what Trump thought of the move, Stephen Chung, a campaign spokesperson for the former president, told Fox News, quote, crooked Joe Biden and his team are finally acknowledging that truth social is hot as a pistol in the only place where real news happens. He also said that Biden HQ will be, quote, ratioed to oblivion. That's probably true. We probably will get ratioed on True Social. But does it matter? I just kind of it wish they matter. would have hired some no-name person to do a parody account on Truth Social mm. and it not be officially connected to, mm-hmm. you know, the president of the United States. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's just me and my old school ways of doing mm. things. I don't know. But No, that's a good point. This does not sound like the own that they think it is. I just don't feel like they should be putting another dollar in that man's pocket. My God. Doesn't he own it? I'm not going to join something that Donald Trump owns. He might need the money to pay his legal bill, so maybe they're doing a public service. (laughs) And those are the headlines. One more thing before we go. While everyone is focused on November 2024, we wanted to remind y'all that there's a high-stakes election coming up this November as well. From the Virginia legislative elections to the Ohio reproductive rights ballot measure, we've got a lot of work to do in the next few weeks. Visit votesaveamerica.com slash years to learn more and find out how you can get involved. That's all for today. If you like the show, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and tell your friends to listen. And if you're into reading, What A Day is also a nightly newsletter. Check it out and subscribe at cricket.com slash subscribe. I'm Trayvell Anderson. And I'm Josie Duffy Rice. What a Day is a production of Crooked Media. It's recorded and mixed by Bill Lance. Our show's producers, Itzy Quintanilla, Raven Yamamoto, and Natalie Bettendorf are our associate producers. And our senior producer is Lita Martinez. Our theme music is by Colin Gilliard and Kashaka. You can live out your MasterChef dreams. When you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that. Why are smart businesses graduating to NetSuite by Oracle? Because NetSuite eliminates the expense of multiple business systems by consolidating your operations together into one. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. NetSuite reduces IT costs because it lives in the cloud with no hardware required, so you can access it from anywhere. You cut the cost and headaches of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. Bringing all your major business processes into one platform improves efficiency, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math. You'll see how you'll profit with NetSuite, too. And now, by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Just go to netsuite.com slash podcast25 for more information. That's netsuite.com slash podcast25.